step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On this episode of the C-Analysis Podcast, we go over the most competitive seats in the Kansas House this year. I mean, he has a chance, but I, I think it would be an uphill battle. We're joined by Jackson Martin, the chief odds maker at C-Analysis and a resident in Kansas. And I'm curious, I want to I find the Mark Twain voters. <laughs> we also talk about House Democrats in Virginia ousting their leader in a hotly contested primary for Congress in North Carolina. Plus, that viral video from the Senate floor in Michigan. Call me whatever you want. I know who I am. Stick around. I'm Chaz Nutticombe, the director of C-Analysis. With me is my co-host and editor of C-Analysis, Alex. Hello. This is the C-Analysis podcast, the home of state legislative election news and analysis. Later in the show, we'll talk to our residency analysis, Kansan, Jackson Martin, our odds maker, to go over the most competitive state house races in Kansas this year. But first, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, House Democrats are looking for a new leader. They ousted former Speaker Eileen Fillercorn in the aftermath of last year's election season when they lost the majority. House Democrats still have yet to designate a minority leader. Chaz, who is in the running to be the next leader of the House Dems? Well, I'll be frank with you. I have no idea who will be the next leader of the House of Democrats. My forte is elections, not caucus politics. Um, despite being removed as a leader, though, Eileen Fillercorn is not going to give up without a fight. Uh, but it'll be an uphill battle for someone who just got removed as a leader to win back enough votes to become the leader again. Uh, I know that Delegate Scott of Portsmouth, who was one of the delegates who led the charge on removing Fillercorn, is publicly running for the position. Uh, among those who I've heard through the grapevine who are possibly interested in the position uh, are Delegates Herring of Alexandria, Simon of Falls Church, Guzman of Prince William, and Bagby of Henrico. Uh, assuming Fillercorn does indeed not persuade those she needs to make her leader again, uh, she'll probably try and have her supporters go to whoever she picks in that situation. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see what the caucus does here. Uh, this is all speculation. And again, just uh, a few things I've heard through the grapevine. Right. 
In Michigan, Republican State Senator Lana Theis referred to her fellow state senator, Mallory McMorrow, as a groomer who, among other things, supports legislation that would allegedly teach white children that they were responsible for slavery. In response to these allegations, McMorrow took to the floor of the Senate and gave an impassioned speech defending her character and the legislation in question. I want every child in this state to feel seen, heard, and supported, not marginalized and targeted because they are not straight, white, and Christian. We cannot let hateful people tell you otherwise to scapegoat and deflect from the fact that they are not doing anything to fix the real issues that impact people's lives. And I know that hate will only win if people like me stand by and let it happen. So I want to be very clear right now. Call me whatever you want. I know who I am. Chaz, is accusing someone of being a groomer a successful strategy? It seems like we hear that word a lot in conversation these days. Yeah, the the groomer term has become pretty mainstream in Republican politics, so they're partying like it's 2004 uh, on the LGBT rights rhetoric. I'm unsure of, of whether this strategy of labeling your political opponents as pedophiles will actually work or not, but crazy has been effective in politics many times over. What I am more interested in in is McMorrow's new national profile. She just earned herself with her speech. According to Blake Hoonshell of the New York Times, a fundraising email they sent with her speech was the DLCC's most successful fundraising email of the year. Uh, McMorrow, a white woman, is running against a fellow black incumbent, Marshall Bullock, in State Senate District 8. Uh, this district has a black voting age population of 42%. Uh, so the demographics don't work in her favor here. But she's likely to outraise and outspend Bullock. Her campaign's probably richer than Cretius now, so this speech may just win her her primary. Who knows? She's probably got so much money that a good amount of it will go to the rest of the caucus as well, helping Democrats in their effort to flip the Michigan State Senate, uh, which C-Analysis has a rating for uh, as tilt Republican. Very good. In North Carolina, two state senators are running for the same congressional seat, North Carolina's first district. Retiring Congressman G.K. Butterfield has endorsed Don Davis, the more conservative of the two Democrats. Chaz, seeing as this is a swing district, what does this primary and Butterfield's endorsement say about the primary in North Carolina's first? Yeah, so what I, what I think is interesting and worth mentioning here is that this is not only just a swing district, but uh, because it's in the Black Belt, uh, the district is also very racially polarized. Uh, Butterfield, when he would run for re-election, he was able to peel off a good amount of white voters who would vote for Republicans elsewhere on the ballot. And his endorsement here is probably his thinking that Don Davis, um, who is a pro-life state senator, uh, would be able to do that compared to the more liberal-leaning state senator, Erica Smith, who was running for U.S. Senate and then dropped down to this seat. C-Analysis has North Carolina's first district as tilt Democratic in our U.S. House forecast. All right. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll dive into the most competitive races in the Kansas House of Representatives with Jackson Martin. We'll be right back. Support for Pod Virginia comes from the Virginia Poverty Law Center, the League of Conservation Voters Education Fund. Dominion Energy, and Patreons who are listeners like you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. And we're back on the C Analysis podcast, and we're joined by the head odds maker of C Analysis, who also happens to be a native Kansan, Jackson Martin. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's get into the most competitive races in Kansas. Republicans are in power, of course, and they've held control of the Kansas House since the 1994 uh, GOP midterm wave. First up is House District. 102. It went to Trump by 15 points, but it was actually won by a Democrat in 2020. Jason Probst outran Biden by 16 points, and this is in the town of Hutchinson. This is the most westward seat in Kansas that Democrats hold, and it's the only small town seat they have left. Uh, They used to be able to win uh, various small towns in the Kansas House before, uh, but Throughout the 2010s, those started to evaporate. So this is the last guy left, Probst, in this Trump 15 seat. Uh, Jackson, how do you see it? Jason Probst, he is a very strong candidate. Definitely the best candidate that Candace Democrats have in the state house, I would say, personally. Outrunning Biden by, what was it, like 15, 16% is quite an accomplishment that said they didn't change his district too much in redistricting but just because of the nature of the area and just because it's just getting harder and harder for it to be held he only held it by like half a percent in 2020 even if he is a very strong candidate it's gonna be hard for him to hold this and that's that's why i think a lean r rating SC analysis has it is, you know, probably the accurate rating because there's definitely a chance he holds on. So I, I don't, I don't think likely are, but it's going to be, it's going to be really hard, especially in a R leading environment. All right. Next up is the toss up district of house district 33. This is a Trump plus one seat with Tom Burroughs, democratic incumbent running for reelection uh, this used to be a narrow Biden seat under the old lines, but it was redrawn as a narrow Trump seat. Burroughs, though, outran Biden by three points in 2020. Uh, this is in Wyandotte County in the Kansas City area. Jackson, how do you see it? Burroughs has represented the area for a little over 20 years now, I think. And he's definitely more of a moderate, too. So he has a very long incumbency and 
more of a moderate brand to help him out. However, that doesn't really match up with the overperformance. Because sure, he overperformed Biden, but only by like, what was it, 3%, which isn't great. It might just have been he wasn't campaigning as hard in 2020. But it's there's still a lot of kind of like, I guess, you know, unknowns in that area. Burroughs is a very good candidate, of course, but the district's very close and it's going to be an R-leaning environment. So I think, you know, I would agree with the toss-up rating that Xenolysis has for that district. All right, next toss-up district is House District 88. It went to Biden by three points. Democratic incumbent Chuck Schmidt uh, was appointed in June 2021, uh, and this is in the Wichita area. Jackson, how do you see it? So, honestly, I think this is going to be my first disagreement. Uh, I think somebody who's appointed, especially in a Biden plus three district, in the environment that we're looking at, I'm not sure they'd not sure they'd win that. Uh, it kind of seems more like a lean R race. I've been keeping track of like Kansas, like how the new legislators are voting, and Schmidt is kind of more of a moderate. Uh, that's only with a sample of like 32 votes, though. I mean, he has a chance, but I I think it would be an uphill battle. The district has been drawn from like Biden 13 to Biden plus three. So it's, it's very difficult terrain now. All right. Next up is house district 18. This district did go to Biden by 10 points, uh, but democratic incumbent Cindy neighbor ran behind Biden by four points. And this is in Johnson County, which is in the Kansas city area. Jackson, how do you see it? So Cindy neighbor, while, she ran behind Biden by four points um, in Joko. That's pretty good for Democrats. I think like kind of on median Democrats ran behind Biden by like somewhere between seven to nine points, if I'm remembering right. So a Democrat only running behind Biden by four points in Johnson County is actually a sign of a good candidate. And considering that the district is still Biden plus 10, even in the environment we're looking at, I'm thinking it kind of feels like maybe a tilt or maybe, maybe lean Democratic seat, just because I think Cindy Neighbor is a, a good candidate for that district. All right. Next up is House District 17, and this district went to Biden by 12 points. Joe Elahoy ran behind Biden by seven points, though. And this is another Johnson County, as or as you Kansans call it, Joko. Uh, this is another one of those seats in the Kansas City area. Jackson, how do you see it? This one kind of feels hard for me to judge. Joel Ahoy was kind of in line with the Joko, how much Dems ran behind there. It's about about average for that. And the district's partisanship didn't change too much. So it's kind of hard to judge. I'd say with like the national environment that we're looking at, plus the, the standard underperformance in Joko, Toss-up is probably probably the rating I would go with. All right. And, and the last of our toss-up district category is House District 20. This went to Biden by 13 points. Mary Lynn Poskin, though, ran behind Biden by 11 points in this district. So as you were saying, Jackson, you know, the, the down ballot tendencies here really can 
favor Republicans, uh, very much so, where, you know, in 2020, you had a lot of Republicans running ahead of Trump by usually high single digits or low double digits. Um, so this is our last Joko seat. Jackson, how do you see it? Poskin ran behind Biden by a bit too much here. And while it is a Biden plus 13 seat, when you subtract the 11 from that and then subtract the national environment, things start looking pretty dicey. And it, it, it seems like it'd be hard for Democrats to hold it just kind of based off my gut feeling. So I, I might go with like a tilt R rating here. The area it's in, it's kind of like on in the Leewood area, which is around the border between Joko and Missouri. It's a more wealthy area. It It's more inclined to Republicans down ballot, especially in 2012. I think Romney got some absurd amount of the vote there. I don't remember exactly what it is on top of my head, but that area, I, I think I'd have, probably have that district as Tiltar. All right, then going into our Tilt Democratic category is House District 53. This went to Biden by 12 points. Jim Gartner ran behind Biden by two points, and this is in the Topeka area. Jackson, how do you see the seat? The incumbent here, Jim Gartner, he's represented the district for some time, and he generally performs fairly well. I don't think he's had any significant underperformances. He only um, underran Biden by about two points. That said, with the national environment going to be what it is, it might make things a bit closer. I'd say like a tilt D or lean D rating makes sense for this seat. Democrats are favored, but it's close enough and the national environment's also, you know, going to be pushing it towards a closer race. All right, and then we have one other seat in the tilt Democratic category. Uh, this went to Biden by 15 points. Uh, Stephanie Byers is the Democratic incumbent here. She ran behind Biden by four points, and this is in the Wichita area. Jackson, how do you see it? In redistricting, this seat wasn't really pushed to the right much. I feel like, and Byers... She didn't underperform Biden by all that much. Uh, four points in the Wichita area is a little, I think that's a little worse for the average Democrat in the Wichita area. But the district is still Biden plus 15. And with the national environment, we're going to have, I think she should be fine. I think like a lean D rating would be, would be fair for that seat. All right, next up is our lean Republican category with House District 48. This went to Biden by seven points, and Democratic incumbent Dan Oseman was appointed in this seat in July 2021. This is another Johnson County seat uh, in, the, in the Kansas City area. Jackson, how do you see it? So yeah, um, this is the second JoCo Dem that's been appointed because the incumbent has um, retired. I'm not super... I guess the term is bullish on this seat for Democrats. It's an appointed member and the district is Biden plus seven, which when you subtract the national environment and the standard Dem underperformance in Joko, it makes things pretty bad. It, I, I might actually, I, per, in my personal ratings, I might put this one as likely are. Osman is voting a bit as a moderate though, a little bit more so. 
but I'm not sure that would help him too much. All right. And our other lean Republican seat went to Biden by 10 points. But Virgil Weigel, the Democratic incumbent, ran behind Biden by 10 points in 2020. And this is in the Wichita area. Jackson, how do you see it? Running behind Biden by 10 in Wichita is pretty bad. I mean, it's pretty bad because the area, Wichita in general, the, the reason that why Joko Dems will underperform Biden so much is because the area is very kind of traditionally Republican and it's kind of been shifting recently. Wichita has kind of traditionally been a, you know, more fought over area. It hasn't really been too far either way and it hasn't been shifting too far either way recently. So when you running behind Biden by 10 points is pretty bad and the district's close enough that I think like a lean R rating is, is, is probably valid for this maybe likely R, but I'd say just lean R for now. All right. And then going into our lean democratic category is house district 95. And this went to Biden by only two points, but democratic incumbent, Tom Sawyer outran Biden by nine points. And this is in the Wichita area. Uh, Jackson, how do you see it? Tom Sawyer is uh, very popular in the Wichita area from everything I know. I'm not from Wichita, but everything I've heard is that he's popular there. And him outrunning Biden by nine points shows that. And the district didn't take too much, I guess, damage, you could call it, during redistricting. Uh, kind of remain mostly the same. So even with the national environment being what it's probably going to be, I think Sawyer should still do fine. He's a strong incumbent. I think he's uh, the minority leader right now in the state house. So that's part of the reason why he's also had an appeal to voters there. I wonder if there's also uh, a good amount of Mark Twain fans in the district uh, who, are, who are just... <laughs> You're just fans of the book. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that could be it too. Yeah, that could be. And I'm curious. I want to I want to find the Mark Twain voters. <laughs> All right. Well, next up is House District 92. Uh, this is again in the lean Democratic category. Uh, we got three more seats here, and they're all in lean Democratic category. Uh, 92 went to Biden by 14 points, and John Carmichael, the Democratic incumbent ran behind Biden by one point. And this is, again, in the Wichita area here. Uh, Jackson, how do you see the seat? John uh, Carmichael, he so he, he only ran behind Biden by one, which is pretty you know, pretty good, sta- pretty standard for not Joko, Kansas. And I think overall he should be fine. It's a Biden plus 14 area. I don't think the district was changed too much during redistricting. The partisanship is pretty much the same, at least. But with the national environment, it might get a little close. So I think Lean D, as the analysis has it, is a rating I would agree with. All right. And then House District 29 is next. And this went to Biden by 19 points. Uh, Heather Meyer was appointed in this seat in August 2021. And this is another Johnson County seat. Uh, Jackson, how do you see it? So normally, you know, Biden plus 19, it'd be like, okay, that's likely or very likely. But it's Joko. So it kind of makes things a little more dicey for Democrats there. Plus the national environment brings it down from a 19 to maybe like a six or five, I think in terms of like 
pro-Democrat rating. So, I mean, lean D is definitely a appropriate rating for this district. But then again, it's also, I don't know too much about the incumbent. I think Meyer's been voting fairly standard, but I think she's also able to in that district. I think she should be fine. And then lastly is House District 23. And this went to Biden by a whopping 23 points. And we still have it as lean Democratic category. Uh, but that's because Democratic incumbent Susan Ruiz ran behind Biden by nine points. And this is, again, in Johnson County. Jackson, our last seat. How do you see it? I, I mostly agree with the assessment of this as like a lean D race. Maybe it might be more like likely D. It's kind of in that area. I'm, I'm not quite sure where I would place it personally, but Ruiz has, has generally performed pretty well. You know, underperforming Biden by nine isn't great, but it's also worth noting that it was a huge improvement over the 2018 legislative race where she only won by 4% and then proceeded to win by 15% in 2020. So it might be a seat that's moving away from its kind of more down ballot Republican tendencies. Then again, it just remains to be seen. But I think Ruiz is still favored to win here. Probably like a lean or likely D. And Jackson, before we go, there's an amendment that has been passed by the legislature as an attempt to restrict abortion access in Kansas. Can you give a little bit of background on that and tell us how you think it'll go? So, yeah, um, I guess the context behind that is uh, a few years ago, the Kansas Supreme Court passed down a decision which essentially it was essentially the Roe v. Wade decision but in Kansas, like Kansas state law and the Kansas constitution. So even if it was struck down, if Roe v. Wade was struck down nationally, which is seems like it may be now, Roe v. Wade would essentially still exist in Kansas. The legislature last year didn't like that. So they passed an amendment which would basically overwrites that decision and allows the legislature to write whatever abortion laws they want. But with how amendments work in Kansas, they have to be voted by with a two-thirds majority in both chambers of the legislature. And then after that, they go to a vote on one of the ballots. Generally, it's supposed to be the general election ballot, but they got it on the primary election ballot in August, which was probably part of the strategy to make sure it was a lower turnout election. But that may backfire on them now, considering Roe v. Wade is threatened nationally. They might drive more Democratic turnout. I guess another part of the issue, though, is, you know, independents who don't have any primary elections to show up to other than the ballot amendment don't really have much of a reason to know why to show up. And plus, the the movement for the amendment has been well organized, I guess I'd say. It's called the Value Them Both Amendment, and I currently live in probably the most liberal part of the state, uh, Douglas County, uh, home to the University of Kansas. And I've still seen signs uh, with the value of them both amendment around here, which is a sign that it's a fairly well-organized movement. If the Supreme Court does strike down Roe v. Wade, Kansas might be the first state to have, you know, a major vote on an abortion-related issue uh, in a post-Roe v. Wade world. So... That'll be interesting to see the effects of and how people vote for that. Just with how I know Kansas being more conservative as it is, 
the amendment will probably pass. But also with Roe v. Wade being struck down, that might cause more Democrats or independents to show up to the primary elections and say, no, we don't want this. We're voting no on this amendment. All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for today. Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. The C-Analysis Podcast is a production of Jack Lake Media. Be sure to smash the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, write a review of the show. You really want to know what you think, and it helps people find the show. We'll be back next week with another episode of the C-Analysis Podcast. <laughs>